All right. Well, hello and welcome everybody to the Modecast podcast. So it's a podcast powered by your friends over at ModeShift and we chat about all things mobility. Um, so thanks for joining us today. Um, as always, I'm your host, Maxwell Mickey. Um, but before we dive into today's episode, please make sure to subscribe, uh, follow us on the preferred streaming platform, wherever you like to watch podcasts, listen to them. Um, but uh, let's get started. So today, very exciting, coming to us from Hawaii, um, we have John Ando, who is the uh, mass transit administrator and mm-hmm. general manager. A little bit of a mouthful. Want to make sure I got that. Um, but for the county of Hawaii mass transit system or Hilo, John, thanks for being on. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. And yourself? Not too bad. Probably not as good of a time as you know your after work living in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> But we, we chatted a while back ago, John. You're originally, you lived in Hawaii for, for many years, and then you kind of came back uh, not too long ago. Isn't that right? Yeah, about two years ago. Okay, nice. Is it good to kind of feel home? Do things change a lot? Um, I mean, I think it's it sounds like, you know, paradise for everyone else. I'm sure you still have your, you know, day-to-day things that are just as, you know, frustrating or unfun to deal with as the rest of the transit folks. But uh, um, how do you like being out there? I mean, it's been pleasurable. Uh, the weather's great. The activities are fun. Uh, people are very friendly. Well, one of the things we always love to ask about um, is kind of how you got into transit. So I know you've been with a few agencies. Um, you've covered a lot, um, you know, inside the country, but would love to hear kind of how you got into transit, you know, where you've been. It's uh, it's always great to have kind of a, a veteran uh, on the show with us. Yeah, so I've been managing transit for the past 23 years. Uh, I actually started doing internships while I was at high school. And uh, started managing transit about 20. And um, I've lived in various states, running uh, rural, smaller, urban, and larger urban transit systems across the country. Um, I've been here in Hawaii County for about two years. In addition to my role in Hawaii County, I work part-time in Escalon, California, and in Burlington, North Carolina, where I provide uh, managerial support to their transit systems as well. Okay, very nice. So how often do you have to kind of go between them or are you able to do it all remote from uh, from Hawaii? I do most of the work remotely, but I do go to them at least once a month. Okay, very nice. So you're a frequent flyer. Um, yes. <laughs> who's, uh, who's the best airline if, for anyone who wants to get out to Hawaii? Oh, gosh, you know, they're, they're all good. It just really depends <laughs> on the price point. Okay. All right. I like it. <laughs> um, so very nice. So you've been uh, with uh, Hawaii for about two years now. Um, is that right? Yes. Okay. Very nice. What uh, um, I know we, we, one of the big things we want to chat about today is kind of the fare free side, um, which, which we'll get to, but um, what were any kind of other big changes or, you know, shifts or anything like that, that you kind of brought your experience with and, and adjusted when you got to um, Hilo? Uh, well, we've made some significant process through implementation of the Transit and Multimodal Transportation Master Plan, which mm-hmm. guides basically the future of the agency. We've added uh, various routes, uh, extended times, vanpool program, rural door-to-door bus, and we're about to launch a microtransit service in our largest subdivisions in the Kau and Puda districts. Okay. And uh, we're about to restructure the shared ride taxi program. And we've expanded paratransit and also launched a van pool program and a bike share program. 
Yeah. Wow. A lot of things for the, uh, for the micro, uh, transit side, um, did you kind of ask riders for surveys or collect data around like, how do we, you know, where do we deploy this? You know, how frequently, um, is it kind of a little bit of, you know, testing and, um, seeing what works? How did that process go? When the master plan was that that's when the, a lot of the feedback was gathered okay. to determine the best modes for the right, uh, for, for the various areas of the island. And when that master plan was determined, developed, uh, the Puda and Kaiu districts were the most underserved areas with large population centers that needed some form of transit. Okay. Microtransit is a way to introduce transit to determine a fixed route. Makes sense in the future. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, and you have probably some unique challenges. Um, you know, being in Hawaii, you know, I think there's probably a handful of you know, areas of the country that, you know, may have to deal with similar um, you know, challenges. Uh, but, you know, being a vacation destination and one of the most beautiful places in the world where people want to go, um, how does that affect, you know, planning for, you know, but we were chatting earlier, you said, you know, spring break is all here. And you know, how does that affect planning for, you know, service and, and things like that? Um, because it's something that I, I would assume is, you know, very uh, unique to Hawaii. You know, uh, we plan for service normal, normally like any other community. Okay. Uh, when we have uh, peak demands on some of our routes, we'll add additional buses to ensure that we're moving people and not leaving folks behind. But beyond that, there's nothing really different that we do. Okay. Yeah, our, good to know. our period is more year-round uh, versus like a summer peak and a winter peak, like some agencies may be faced with that are uh, visitor centric like us. Got it. Okay. Uh, interesting. And so, so when you came on, you, you made the decision to go fare free and this is, um, this was, I believe during the pandemic, um, was it the pandemic that kind of drove that decision? Was it something you were already interested in? Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how, uh, you, you and your staff and team came to that decision? Um, it was something that we were already interested in doing. Uh, our ridership has tanked over the mm -hmm. last 10 years. Uh, that's just due to the reliability of the transit system. So we were looking for ways to rebuild the ridership and reintroduce public transit to the island. And with the implementation of the master plan, we felt that launching a fare-free pilot as part of that is a great way to uh, get people to consider transit as an alternative again. Mm -hmm. And also allow low-income residents to reinvest that money that would have went to the transit system back into the economy uh, so that they can still be able to live in a comfortable manner while using our bus system. That's a really interesting point. Spoken to a few folks before, you know, on the fare free, and actually I haven't seen much around that in particular, um, but the essentially stimulus into the local economy um, by not having to you know, spend money on public transit. Do you have any data around that? Or is there any way to like evaluate kind of the economic impact? I know it would probably take a lot of time, but. I mean, there's there's definitely a way to do it, uh, but uh, we, we don't have any data at this point. We're going okay. into our, we, we're about just shy of one year of doing this fare free pilot. And uh, so far we've definitely, we've seen a 43% increase in ridership over the previous year alone and that as you know the previous fiscal year was the pandemic so mm -hmm. it's definitely trending in the right direction 
Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a big jump. Um, was it, uh, how did you kind of communicate all of that, um, to riders like, Hey, we're turning the fares off. This is permanent or at least semi-permanent, um, for the time being, um, like internal marketing team or like getting news out in the press, just sharing things at bus stops and online, things like that. How did, how did you really get that message across? We have focused on uh, press releases, traditional media, okay. uh, signs out on the fare box saying we're going fare-free, effective February 27 of 22, uh, thanks to grants from the federal government. So uh, just hop on and ride. And okay. that, that basically was word of mouth that spread around. We also took advantage of social media, which mm -hmm. also helped for like the visitor community. Uh, so that was very helpful when people come off planes or off boats and they realize, hey, I don't have to worry about spending uh, money on the bus. And one thing to note is we get our, a large portion of our revenue from general excise tax, which is sales tax on retail. Okay. So that's when I go back to respending the money into the economy. We're going to see that money come back to the transit system anyway when they're, when they're spending at uh, retail stores or at restaurants grocery stores oh yeah very interesting um i think that's a question a lot of folks ask too is you know hey this kind of works for now um with you know different subsidies grants things like that um but kind of preparing for you know the future five years from now ten years from now to keep the system uh fair free is that part of that plan is you know hey we'll see this coming back through you know the economy yeah Okay, very nice. What uh, um, is there any other like sources or um, you know kind of on that long term plan that maybe other agencies can think about um, well, you know, to, to try fair, and be fare free? We're fare free through December thirty first of twenty twenty five. Okay, this is an opportunity to just see how how it helps the transit system and how it helps the island. If the county sees good returns from being fare free, uh, this pilot would become permanent. Okay. If not, then we are also building a contingency plan on reinstituting fares using electronic fare collection, which would take effect in January of 26. Yeah, very nice. Uh, so do you have any advice for other agencies that are thinking about it, you know, looking at it, things to consider, um, anything like that? I know there's a lot of folks trying to get to kind of where you are, um, but aren't certain on the path. I would say look at how much you're spending on fare collection. Uh, that's one. Look at the complexity of your fare structure and look at your overall ridership and see is ridership declining or as a result. And look at how can you come up when you've, when you've done that analysis of those areas mm -hmm. I've mentioned, how can you come up with ways to rebuild ridership? Is fare free a consideration? If Are you willing to give up X amount of dollars, whether covered through grants, private donations, or your original, your existing budget to allow people to ride the transit system for free. In our case, it was $580,000 a year. That's like less than 5% of the overall revenues coming to support the agency. So, so small to where we were able to absorb that through the stimulus grants that FTA has provided. And perhaps in the future, general excise tax could cover that. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but some transit systems may have higher fare box recovery return ratios. Mm -hmm. It might be a little more difficult to implement a program like this.
That makes sense. That makes sense. So what, uh, um, you know, sh when folks come to town and, you know, they haven't ridden the system before, uh, how do they see like, hey, here's where the bus is at, you know, here's where it's going, the schedules, um, especially for uh, visitors who, you know, maybe they're only there for a week or two. You know, we have a new website uh, where it actually is centric to the residents and the visitors so they can okay. learn how to use the transit system. We are on transit app and move it app. Uh, we have GTFS or general transit feed specifications in, within Google, Bing, and Apple Maps. So when people are looking for alternatives, they can simply select transit and all of our routes will show up and it will show up as fare free. That's kind of a way for people to be able to take advantage of our services. And and so one of the one of the hot button uh, topics I think comes up a lot inside of the fare free world is how do we still collect as much data and information um, so that we can show our ridership, you know, here, you know, receive our same grants, you know, all of these, you know, different mechanisms that uh, fares typically, you know, help with, you know, from a secondary perspective. Um, so what's what's kind of the focus on that to make sure you're still kind of collecting and retaining all the information that you know, you need for planning and uh, growth purposes? Well, right now we're collecting the data manually. However, we're transitioning to using automatic passenger counters, which will help okay. tremendously in getting stop-by-stop -stop data and understanding where people are actually using the transit system. Also, the fare boxes that are already on the buses too, the drivers can uh, count okay. uh, those uh, type of passengers, like whether they're general or senior or, dis or have a disability on the fare box. And for the interim, we can get reports until we transition fully to automatic passenger counters. Okay. How long does that transition take? Uh, it's take about three years. Because okay. I think my new replacement buses, they will come with the APC technology. Got it. Okay. Very nice. So what's on the docket is that, that sounds like it's, you know, a big piece of kind of what's happening this year and in the years following, but you know, what else is kind of on the docket this year um, for, for the system that you have plans to, you know, grow or implement or anything like that? You know, really more of the docket now is we're, we're about two years and we want to see how, how the system been maturing. Okay. So it's more about evaluating its performance, making tweaks to make it continue to perform better and eliminating services that don't make sense or reducing those services. Okay, very nice. Yeah, well, this is wonderful. It's it's always great to hear and learn how, you know, other agencies are, you know, tackling, you know, fare-free, providing the same service or, a, you know, a better service um, and seeing, of course, amazing results, right? Almost up 50% um, year over year. He said 43, uh, which, is, which is quite incredible, um, especially with a lot of, agency struggling uh, across North America. Uh, so our, our hats off. Um, <laughs> uh, great oh, work there. One thing to note too, is that eventually the, we're going to plateau. We're not likely going, we're going to continue to get new riders, but the increase is not going to be as great. That's true. Okay. So what generally has happened with fare free systems that I've managed is you have really the existing ridership making more passenger trips. And then you're also increasing ridership from a newer demographic group as well. But once it plateaus, then it's really just people making those just more trips on the system, which ultimately is still reducing air, reducing uh, carbons from the air mm -hmm. and improving air quality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is there any way to kind of differentiate between those types of riderships or ridership? Uh, not, not unless you do a demographic survey. Yeah. To extrapolate yeah, that data. It's very interesting 
to dive into the data and see, you know, hey, this is how all these different types of people are moving and why and, and trying to, you know, oh, fit yes. that together, you know, as a puzzle piece. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it definitely can also just tell a story on how mm -hmm. people are utilizing the system. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, wonderful, John. Thanks so much for having you on. And a quick, quick, uh, random question. We'll end with a um, maybe a fun fact or, or trivia in case uh, uh, your name ever comes up at a at a show. But if if John Ando wasn't in public transit, what would he be doing? You know, my other uh, passion is amusement park management. Okay, and I that would, is uh, that's quite a, a bit different. Okay, yeah, well, a, how'd you come about park. that? Uh, you know, uh, while I was in high school. Um, I did uh, various uh, supervisory roles at uh, Paramount's Great America in Santa Clara, California, at Six Flags Marine World in Vallejo, California, since I'm from the Bay Area. Okay. And um, I also did transportation-related work, like run the train around the park or the trolley in the entrance plaza. Yeah, that's no, very I, cool. Yeah, well, so it works. Yeah, out. maybe <laughs> maybe one day we'll see. Uh, you know, you running both simultaneously. You know, a transit agency that just takes people back and forth between you know the amusement parks or their stops at different rides in a city. Uh, maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Walt Disney already has it down pat. You know, with trains, monorails, and trams and boats. That is that is true. So. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe we'll expand that footprint. Um, <laughs> Very nice. Well, well, John, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, everybody, hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure, you know, subscribe, get notified when we have a new episode that's posted. Please rate and review it. You know, let us know if you liked it or if you didn't, uh, what we can do better. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you had some great takeaways. Um, I'm Maxwell Mickey. And until next time, thanks, everybody. Thank you.